navigate through the storms in your life. Those, those difficulties that you go, God, where are you? Are you there, God? Do you hear me? Well, our guest today is going to talk about his book, Navigating the Storms of Life, Standing Strong in the Storms of Life. Greg Davis is here. Pastor Greg is no stranger to this program on Bot Radio Network, the host of Cornerstone Living that's heard every Sunday morning at 830 mm-hmm. right here on Bot Radio Network in Memphis. Kind of hard to form this word, former lead pastor <laughs> at Cornerstone Church, South Haven. Pastor Greg, it's good to have you in the studio. Yes. Well, thank you. It's an honor to, to be able to be here and joy to be able to partner with uh, with you and the team here at Bot Radio Network. So yes, we were in our 25th year as lead pastor at Cornerstone and and the Lord has brought us into a new season of writing books. And the first one, as you mentioned, is uh, Standing Strong in the Storm. And uh, you know what? Everybody goes through storms in life, everyone. And it's very important for us to know how to navigate those storms in a way where we come out stronger instead of weaker right? and come out better instead of bitter. After eight years of struggling with infertility, you and your wife, Nancy, welcomed Colton into the world, that Mm -hmm. bouncy baby boy into your home, into your hearts. What was it like after eight years, Greg, to actually hold Colton in your arms? Well, it was uh, essentially, all of a sudden, it felt like life was perfect. The biggest negative in, in our lives was the fact that we love, you know, we love children. We had wanted to have children for several years, and we had tried to have children for several years. And, and I'll tell you something: Father's Day and Mother's Day at churches is difficult when you're trying to have a baby and, and it's not working. Can, can you stop there a second and sure. say that again? I said Mother's Day and Father's Day at churches is a very difficult situation when you're dealing with infertility. The reason I want you to repeat that because there are countless couples in our churches that are right there Mm -hmm. and they feel that pain and they feel like nobody hears their heart at times like that and nobody really cares or understands and they feel alone, right? Right, exactly. So we felt that for many, many years. On the day that Colton was born, he was he was due on my 29th birthday, but he came a day early. It was absolutely a peak moment of our lives to welcome uh, this new little wonderful gift from God. Well, so. it wasn't but a few hours, very short hours upon Colton's arrival that he was rushed to the ICU. Correct. Something with his heart? Yes. Actually, I went to the nursery to get him, to bring him back to the room for Nancy to feed him. And when I got to the nursery and looked in the window, he was not there. I started pecking on the window, trying to get a nurse's attention. And finally, one came out and I said, where is Colton Davis? And the nurse said, didn't anyone tell you? And I said, tell me what? And she said, well, they had to rush him to neonatal ICU. And I said, why? And she said, you'll have to talk with the doctors. And so essentially, Colton, you know, after eight years of praying and seeking the Lord and waiting and going to doctors and all those kind of things, Colton was born and it was amazing. And then two and a half hours later, or about that time, that perfection ended when we were told that he was born with five heart defects. Greg, this was Colton's initiation into a season of health storms in which he encountered six, six open heart surgeries. Yes. Which number surgery was he undergoing when your wife, Nancy, almost died of an autoimmune disease? Well, his first heart surgery was when he was seven days old. And that was basically provisional just to keep him alive until they could do a a major correction uh, at about a year and a half. So 17 months old, he had a major 
open heart surgery that was very almost experimental, not really quite experimental, but it was very new to deal with all of the problems he had in combination. About a year after that, after his second heart surgery, was when Nancy almost died of an autoimmune disease. Now, were there signs of that autoimmune disease leading up to that, or this just no. out of the blue? It just happened. Totally out of the blue. It was it basically over a weekend, she started having bruises just show up that weren't making any sense. Like, why do I have all these bruises? Where are these bruises coming from? And so we called her doctor and set an appointment for a Monday morning. Uh, this, we started seeing the bruises. I think it was Saturday night or something like that. We set an appointment for Monday morning. And by the time we got to the doctor's office, she had already started passing out. And they immediately rushed her across the street to the hospital and told us that if we had been 20 minutes later getting to the office, she would have died in the car. Oh, my, Greg. This was the beginning of another storm Yes, that you were battling your young dad, of course, Nancy being the new mm-hmm. mom, trying to pastor during the ministry. Yeah. At that point, we were youth pastors. I was a youth pastor and worship leader at church in Cordova. Wasn't Nancy bedridden for a period of time? She was for a few months. Uh, it was kind of off and on for a period of about six months. There were certain times during that time when she actually, because of just a lot of different things happening with her physically, she couldn't feed herself. Colton was a toddler. He was basically, you know, about a year and a half old at that point. And so I I was feeding him and feeding her and and trying to take care of them and and everything. So it was a difficult period. We've got a lot to unpack here, and I'm trying to move kind of quickly. There's a lot. We're not unpacking everything because we just can't. But we want to really highlight about this new book, again, Standing Strong in the Storm. I'm going to hold it up. We have a video camera running so our camera folks can see this book just came out and it's available. We'll get details about that. But you and Nancy also adopted an infant daughter, Anna Grace, from China. And that was a whole process. We've shared that story before. Yes. But for sake of time, that wasn't an ordeal in itself, but it was a God-ordained ordeal. Uh, Anna Grace was the girl for you. It was no doubt. It was an amazing story. Uh, But after you got her home, 30 days into her new life in the United States, into the Davis home, she find out she has a brain tumor. Yes. Yes. Uh, She was uh, one year old, uh, uh, one year and two weeks old when we got her in China. And then so two and a half weeks after that, we got back home with her and then she started getting sick. And then we took her doctor and, you know, went to the pediatrician several times. And then they finally did a brain scan and found out that she had uh, a brain a brain tumor the size of a large lemon on the stem of her brain and uh, extremely deadly. And so, yeah, that was about less than 30 days after we got back from China with her. And you're still concerned about Colton's health and he's mm-hmm. still going through his surgeries? Yes. Nancy's autoimmune disease is still affecting her? At that point, Nancy's uh, autoimmune disease was uh, much, much better. Uh, But uh, actually, we adopted Anna Grace nine months after Colton's third open heart surgery when he was eight years old. Uh, and so, yes, this was this, these storms were just coming uh, one after the other. And there's another big avalanche here with your own health. You had a near-fatal heart attack and also have been diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. Did you ever say, God, that's enough. I've had enough, God. Don't need any more of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've said that a bunch of times. You know, the thing about it is, that, you know, when, when we go through a storm in life that is a result of a dumb choice or a dumb decision that we made, then it's kind of easier for us to process it because we realize, okay, this is the consequences of my decision. But the, the storms in life that come that are not connected to a bad decision, but the storms in life that come that when you're trying to to walk out God's will for your life and you're walking in obedience to that and trying to fulfill his call, 
when those storms come, those are more difficult to process. But there are biblical principles that help us to do that yes. if we if we can dig them out. And, and, and that's what this book is about. Well, Greg, as a pastor, I mean, do you think, hey, God, I've given you my life preaching your word. I'm serving your people. Yes. What's up with that? Exactly. I had that conversation over and over again. We had, you know, I had many, many conversations like that with the Lord, basically, and a lot of unanswered questions about, Lord, why? Why are you allowing all of these things to happen? Because I'm trying my best to serve you. And, you know, one of the biggest miracles (laughs) in our life was that God did some really cool things at Cornerstone Church, you know, when we... You know, and we went there to, to pastor, and, and it's amazing that anything really happened because I was so distracted all the time <laughs> with trying to keep my family alive. In your book, so. you recalled a time that your dad broke his arm and was in a cast for six weeks. When he came in the door after his cast was removed, you laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Why did you laugh out loud? Well, I laughed because when dad walked in the room, you know, my dad was a big guy and, you know, and he had pretty decent sized biceps. And all of a sudden when he came in the room after uh, after getting the cast removed, it looked like to me that the doctor had transplanted some skinny dude's arm onto my dad's shoulder. It was like <laughs> half the size of his other arm. And I just busted out laughing. I was like, what in the world has just happened? And so later I realized and learned what happened was that when his muscles did not experience any resistance at all for six weeks, they shrank and got weaker. It's called atrophy. You know, what we don't really understand is that resistance can build our strength and storms when we are going through the resistance of a time of adversity. God wants to use those things to build our strength. We would love to have a life that's totally problem free, but we wouldn't really like the actual effect of that life because we need, we actually need challenges and resistance to continue to build our strength. We don't want our spiritual muscles to atrophy. Speaking of storms, you go to an illustration out of Matthew 14, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sends the disciples ahead into a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been on that Sea of Galilee a couple of occasions, yes, and I know how windy it can gusts can come out there. Now, mm-hmm. maybe not to the intensity that the disciples experienced that night, right? But people don't realize when I was out there, I saw people windsurfing in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You know, yes. Sometimes the storm and it's very gusty, and the wind comes strong, and it gave me that feeling. I can only imagine what it was like for the disciples, probably in a less stable craft than I was in. Yeah, that area is is subject to those kind of really quick storms that blow in, they come down the mountains. I've been on the Sea of Galilee too, and it was nothing as stormy as what the disciples were going through. But it was at that time that we should be reminded how to face storms, because it was really more in the way that Jesus interacted with the disciples during that time. What did you learn? What do we learn from your book, from the story? This has been one of my favorite passages for years, and I've been digging into the to the treasure of this of this passage for for a long, long time. And one of the things that 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 the Lord showed me many, many years ago was that the 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 greatest threat to the disciples was not the wind. The greatest threat to the disciples was the crashing waves. Because if too many waves got inside the boat, the boat would sink. And they were already out towards the middle of the lake, too far away to be able to even swim or try to attempt at all to swim back to shore. They were at the point of no return. And so the greatest threat to them was those crashing waves. But the scriptures talks about the fact that during their storm, 
during the hours and hours that they were fighting for their lives, trying to keep that boat afloat, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And the thing about it is that the Holy Spirit showed me the greatest threat to them was that water that could crash in and sink their boat. But the the greatest threat they were facing was under Jesus's feet. He can walk on anything that threatens us. He can dominate anything that comes against us. Anything that we face in life, he has the total ability to walk all over it, and nothing can keep him. Even stormy, even walking on stormy seas cannot keep Jesus from getting to his people. Nothing can stop him from getting to you when you're in the storm. He's going to come and offer his rescue if you're watching for him. Oh, Pastor Greg, that's a word that we need to be reminded of because sometimes when you're in the storm, I think I've used an illustration before when we lived on the island of Guam, I got into scuba diving and I remember going to one particular dive site, you had to navigate with the compass and you went over a channel. And when you were going over the channel, you could easily get disoriented, knowing Mm -hmm. which is up, which is down, because you couldn't see the top, the bottom. You're just like in a chasm of water. You can't see where you are. Right. And so I remember my dive instructor always said, when you're in a situation like that, you navigate with your compass, you keep your eye on the compass and make sure you're swimming in that direction. Yes. If you do that, you'll be fine. And pilots have a similar thing that can happen, too, when they're up in the air. That's right. You know? So I remember getting my eyes off the compass and looking around, and I started seeing specks in the water, and I didn't know if I was up or down. And then I realized, get your eyes back on the compass. And the compass is you know, is God's Word, right? Yes. yes. And listening to the Holy Spirit speak to us through His Word. That's right. That's right. We have to keep our eyes. We The, the, tend, the human nature in all of us wants to draw our attention to the storm itself. But the way one of the great principles of navigating through a storm in life is you can't just look at the storm. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. You know, it's all over the world, but we're seeing there's been a heavy hearts in our community in the last few weeks. It's been tough. Because of some crazy crime things that have happened. People are fearing. Yes. This is kind of a storm, too, right? It is. I've lived in the Memphis metro area between Germantown and North Mississippi and, and uh, you know, in downtown Memphis. I've lived in the Memphis metro area for, you know, over 30 years. This has been a very tough time for Memphis. There is a, there is a, a there's a, a mourning that's taking place, yes. you know, because of the things, some of the things that have happened in our city. You uh, also, in your book, address church leaders because you are a church leader. Mm-hmm. They're not immune to storms, mm-hmm. but... No. Do you see that some church leaders might expect, once they are in that ministry role, that it should be smooth sailing, should be comfort, they should just be growth without groans? Yeah, because that, yeah, that we do. We think, okay, so if I'm obeying God's call, then, and that's that's actually part of the reason why I had so many unanswered questions for so many years. Our season of storms was decades long. And, uh, and so I had many unanswered questions, and they were all basically sprang from that perspective of, Lord, I'm trying my best to serve you. I'm trying to fulfill your call. You know, it should be smooth sailing, but it goes, it goes back to the, to the illustration about the cast off the arm. If everything was always smooth sailing and there are no, there, we're never facing resistance, then we're not going to get stronger. You go to the gym and you build muscle and build strength by overcoming resistance. In other words, lifting weights. Your muscles are overcoming that resistance. And God uses that same principle in our lives as we overcome the resistance that we face. 
if we if we keep our eyes on him he uses that to build our faith to brand new levels also when they heat fine metals to get the impurities out they have to intensify the heat you've yes. heard that i know oh, yes how do you feel that you have become a better minister of the gospel as it relates to the storms that you've walked through have you seen like pre-storm attitudes pre-storm thoughts about the way god works in your life that's all been changed as a result of what you've walked through absolutely and and i've heard many many people say this same thing you know it, as a parent the heart attack that almost killed me last November was not the greatest suffering I've ever had. The diagnosis of two brain aneurysms was not the greatest suffering I've ever had. The greatest suffering I've ever gone through is watching my children suffer hmm. and watching my wife suffer. That was far more painful to me than anything I personally have gone through with health issues. And so going through that, though, we have to keep the perspective again, like I mentioned, that that the Lord uses those things to, to build our faith is training. If you, if you go back to the, to the Old Testament and you look at the story of Joseph, okay, here's a guy with a God-given dream, and God showed him that he was going to be elevated and that others were going to bow down. But that wasn't really the core of the dream. That was just all that, that was the initial part. You know, sometimes if, if our dream is just to be elevated, it's, it's an immature version because the plan of God was to use Joseph to rescue and save millions of people's lives. And so, so many times we look at the life of Joseph, we say, wow, what Joseph saw as the pit, God saw as prep. So many times what we see as trauma, God can view as training for us to strengthen us to a level that we never thought we'd be able to get to so he can use us at a level that we never thought he could. And every storm, I mean, like we, all we've talked about, you know, with all of Colton's heart, heart things and Nancy's disease and Anna Grace and, and my stuff, every storm that God has brought us to, he has brought us through. Most of my family was not, according to statistics, was not even supposed to be alive. But they're all in great health and alive, and God has given us the victory after victory after victory. But, Pastor Greg, how did you get to the point to never quit? And when did that joy you hear of Christ start flooding in your soul? Was there a defining moment that you came to that point? Well, honestly, the, you know, as I mentioned before, the unanswered questions, there was a, a defining moment a few years ago when I was praying one morning. And honestly, I was praying, but I was also complaining. I don't know if you've ever had, you know, complaining prayers, but I was, I was going over the, God, why, why, why? So I was praying and the Lord spoke to me that morning and said, did you ever consider that this was the plan all along? And that morning I was reading second Corinthians chapter one in my devotions and verses three and four says, we give praise to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our struggles and all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that God has given to us. And the Lord showed me that morning very clearly that the pathway of adversity that he had allowed in our lives was training. He was preparing us with experience so that we could understand the pain that people are going through, but also he showed us the biblical principles of how to navigate through those storms and come out and not not give up. Hmm. He showed me that morning, this was the plan. I am going to use you to encourage 
and to equip people who are on the razor's edge of giving up on everything. And so God was preparing us. And when, you know, when I, when I realized that, it was like I was I was realizing, okay, this has been training. Yeah. It's it's been traumatic, but it's also been training. That made me realize that the more people that I can encourage, the more people that I can equip with the principles that God taught us that helped us not only to survive, but actually thrive in the middle of our storms, the more people that I can be a blessing to and help them, it makes all the sense in the world for why my children had to suffer. It fulfills the purpose for which God allowed this pathway. And so that is our goal in life is to is to be a blessing to as many people as we possibly can. Pastor Greg, you talk in the book about avoiding distractions, a main tactic the enemy uses against us. How do you do that? Because when you're in the middle of these storms, that can be very difficult. Well, it sounds simple, and it's simple when you state it, but it's not easy when you're in the middle of the storm. You keep your eyes on Jesus. When Peter... And we're having to skip a lot because there's a whole lot I, of treasure. There is so much treasure in that's this. That's what I'm saying. When I realized this interview, I thought, oh, my God, how are we going to do this yeah. in 30 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> there's so much treasure in God's Word that that uh, that is there. If we dig it out, it will change the trajectory of our entire life. Well, so when Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, uh, because at first they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a water-walking ghost. Yeah. And so Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus answered with one word, Come. So Peter stepped out of the boat. He was stepping out on the water, but he was not only stepping out on the water. He was stepping out on that word that Jesus spoke. If Jesus had told him, no, stay in the boat, then Peter would have fulfilled the meaning of his name. He would have sunk like a rock. (laughs) But when he stepped out of that boat, he was stepping on the water, but he was actually walking on that word that Jesus spoke. And that's another thing that we learn through all these storms. Every time we would face a new storm, We would go to the Lord. I would say, Lord, I don't like this. I would change it if I could, but I'm not in control here. I need a word from you. You give me your word to walk on, to navigate this storm. And we would write those scriptures on sticky notes and put them on the mirror, on the refrigerator, in the car, on the door panels. I mean, we would surround ourselves where they were constantly looking at the word. Peter was walking towards Jesus. And all of a sudden, he got distracted because of, the, because of the waves and the wind and everything. And when he took his eyes off the Lord, here's the thing about it. This is another part of the book. When Peter experienced distraction, he lost his traction because that's what the enemy wants to do to us. If he can keep us distracted, he can cause us to lose our traction on the pathway of obedience to the Lord that is taking us to the Lord and closer to him. And that's what the enemy wants to do to all of us. Every person listening right now, the enemy wants you to be distracted. He wants to take your eyes off of Jesus because he knows if you keep your eyes on Jesus, even if you're in the middle of the storm of your life, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will have supernatural traction to navigate this storm and get closer to the Lord and closer to the Lord, and he will bring you through to victory you can never imagine on the other side. And so when he fell to distraction, he lost his traction. But immediately the Lord reached out, grabbed him, and rescued him. What's the driving point that you want readers to walk away with after reading this book, Standing Strong in the Storm? That you, I don't know if I can crystallize it down to one, (laughs) but uh, the, the thing that we have to understand is our human nature values comfort above 
many, 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 many other things. Yes. But the Lord has a plan for every one of our lives, and his plan is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants to craft us into the masterpiece that he had in mind when he created us, and that is going to take resistance. It's going to take training. And so, so we value comfort, but the Lord wants to build our character and build our faith. One of the illustrations, I don't know if this is in the book, I can't remember, but I use it when I'm doing this seminar live. Uh, I ask a question. Okay, let's let's talk about the Navy for a second. Who's more dangerous in the Navy? Uh, a person in the mess hall chopping potatoes or a member of SEAL Team 6? Who's more dangerous to the enemy? Well, obviously, the answer is a person who's on SEAL Team 6 is the more dangerous, far more dangerous to the enemy than a person who's chopping potatoes in the mess hall. The next question, who had to go through more adversity in their training? And the answer is a member of SEAL Team 6. The vast majority of people that start out training to try to be a, a Navy SEAL don't make it through the training That's right. because they give up. They can't handle the adversity. And so here's the thing that, that I want us to understand. God wants to train you to become a massive impact and a great blessing for his kingdom. In some cases, that's going to cause, it's not going to cause necessarily cause. God doesn't cause every storm that happens in our lives. Like we said, some storms of our own brewing, you know, like sometimes people go through storms because they made dumb decisions. I've done that. Yes. You've done that. Yes. We've all done that. But it's harder to navigate storms when, when we are following God's will and it takes us into the storm. But we need to understand if we keep our eyes on the Lord and if we walk through that storm in obedience and if we let him build our faith and build our strength on the other side of that storm, it's always a place of greater things. Pastor Greg, we have just provided listeners a taste sampling today and a very small taste sampling <laughs> of the book, Standing Strong in the Storm, Cultivating Resilience in the Time of Trouble by Greg Davis. The book was just released yesterday. It's available now. Amazon? Amazon. I've spoken to uh, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and places like that. And so it should be available on Amazon and, and through other bookstores. Uh, the release date it was September the 21st. God bless you, my brother. Thank you for remaining strong. <laughs> Thank you for this book. I know it's going to be a blessing to so many. Thanks for signing my copy of this book. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading each word. You sent me a digital copy for this interview, which I appreciate. But God bless you and Nancy, the family, how God is using you for kingdom work. Thanks for sharing the story again, standing strong in the storm, Pastor Greg. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.